The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. Outside, cloudy skies. We've got 64 degrees in Buffalo. Erie County is on track to see more opioid overdose deaths than any previous year. Erie County Opioid Task Force says that as of August, 245 people have died so far this year from suspected overdoses. 43% of the deaths occurred in people aged 50 and older. Cocaine also showing up in 81% of those deaths. That's twice the number from 2021. Businesses along Allen Street ready to get back to normal following years of disruption. WBEN's Brayton Wilson has more on the reconstruction project that's wrapping up. Businesses and residents alike can rejoice as construction at the intersection of Allen Street and Elmwood Avenue has come to an end, allowing for vehicular traffic to resume through the area. Although the project along Allen Street is not yet complete, Department of Public Works Commissioner Nate Martin says the last portion from College Street to Wadsworth Street is estimated to take six to eight weeks, which puts the city at mid-October when it wants to be fully out of the area and have the project officially completed. The full reconstruction of the whole Allen Street corridor and, and this intersection has taken longer. It's a full reconstruction. It's not your typical mill and pave where you're just taking a little layer off the top and putting new paving down. This is digging down, getting those utilities, the infrastructure improved from a long-term standpoint. This is a, kind of the right move for that street. This project along Allen Street is running about six months behind schedule. As chief engineer for the project, Nolan Skipper says the target substantial completion was set for the end of 2022 and having final punch list items set to be wrapped up by early 2023. He now says those final items are set to be wrapped up by the end of this year. Part of it was the phasing. We had to split this project into two phases. So phase one took a little bit longer than we thought, just getting into the full reconstruction nature. We were originally thinking about four to six weeks per block. The initial couple blocks took us more like eight to 12 weeks. So that phase one put us a little bit behind and then we rolled right into phase two. We've been making good progress on phase two. Skipper adds the city of Buffalo did not go over the $14 million total budget for the project, with each phase being nearly split down the middle at $7 million. More from Monday's briefing at City Hall is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. All right, Brayton, thank you, and good news for a lot of businesses there that have been waiting for some sort of normal for, uh, really, the past four years or so. Well, gas prices are continuing their upward march. The Energy Department reporting the price of regular unleaded has risen another $0.07 cents in the past week to three eighty-three a gallon on average. That after a big rise last week, you can blame higher oil prices globally, OPEC cutting production, and oil refineries unable to hit max output because of the extreme heat that's been hitting the U.S., leading to all of us paying more to fill up at the pump. Washington State has the most expensive gas at 4.92 a gallon on average for regular unleaded. Alex Stone, EBC News. All right, locally we're at 3.86. On average, I mean, we have just uh, skyrocketed over the past couple of weeks. It's almost uh, up 10 cents from this time last week. And we were up 10 cents, you know, from a week ago, a week ago. So uh, we've gone way up, uh, almost uh, 30 cents or so in the last three weeks. Well, first it was physical stores, now fully licensed. Marijuana delivery services are up and running online. WBEN's Max Ferry. 
Tells us how it works. A pepperoni pizza, some groceries from Walmart, your prescriptions, and now cannabis. Western New Yorkers really can get everything they want or need right at their doorstep. Cantera Cannabis, the first e-commerce online cannabis dispensary operating in Western New York, is now live for consumers to purchase an array of recreational marijuana product that one could find in a dispensary for delivery. So it's really simple. You go to cantera.co, and from there, it's kind of like an Amazon experience. You're going to be able to browse by brand or browse by effect. You're going to look at maybe the staff's favorite products, and you're going to get to really just experience everything that New York State Cannabis really has to offer. Matt Krupp, co-founder of Cantera Cannabis. Based in Erie County, Cantera Cannabis is working with about 60 different brands and cultivators across New York State, dozens of which operate locally here in western New York. Product will initially be available in Erie, Niagara, Chautauqua, Cattaraugus, Allegheny, Wyoming, Orleans, and Monroe counties, but Krupp says there are plans to expand its coverage area and shrink its delivery times. As soon as Friday comes, we'll be doing daily deliveries, and you'll be able to get any product on our site within about four hours. You'll be able to schedule it like for next day or up to six days in advance, I think, if you wanted to do that. But starting Friday, we'll be doing four-hour delivery and then working towards a system where our drivers do carry some active stock in bundles, and those bundles will be available in like an ASAP, probably 30 to 45 minutes, because each driver has a set kind of community, and they're always going to be in there doing their deliveries, making that on-demand option really accessible. Cantera will also be opening up a brick-and-mortar location, as well as launching an app for growers to promote their products to consumers without fear of social media account suspension. Hear the full details at WBEN.com. This is Max Ferry for WBEN.com News. Okay, so uh, opening up Fast and Furious in this time doesn't really matter if you don't want to go to a physical location or not. It's right there online available for you. It's Election Day in Ohio. Could impact the abortion rights battle in November Voters in Ohio will decide whether or not to pass a constitutional amendment to protect the right to abortion. Today, in Ohio's special election, voters will be asked whether to make it more difficult to pass a constitutional amendment in the first place. Opponents of this issue say that they're making it clear that this is directly about abortion. Republicans on the other side are saying... This issue is so much bigger than abortion. It could also extend to transgender rights, even minimum wage they're talking about. And they're saying we can't have liberals putting these ballot measures up to voters and changing our Constitution every year. That's Ann Flaherty. Voters will decide whether or not to raise the threshold to pass a constitutional amendment from a simple majority to a 60 percent supermajority. It is turning into the summer of strikes. Thousands of people in various industries have been on the picket line for months, and now Los Angeles city workers are joining them. For the first time in decades, city workers in Los Angeles plan to walk off the job demanding better pay and benefits. More than 11,000 people from sanitation workers to traffic officers are protesting contract negotiations between the union and city leaders. Also in L.A., Thousands of hotel workers striking this summer for better wages. But it's not just L.A. In San Jose, California, librarians, firefighters and airport workers fighting for what they call a livable wage plan to strike for three days next week. That's Allison Kosick reporting. This is a one-day strike today. All right. Well, we'll see what the impact is. And Kia is announcing another recall. Daria Albinger has more. Kia is notifying the owners of more than 120,000 SUVs to park the vehicles outside due to risk of fire. The carmaker is recalling certain 2017 to 2022 Kia Neros and 2018 to 2022 Nero plug-in hybrids. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the problem is 
is in the printed circuit board. If fluid leaks into the board, it could short circuit, causing an engine compartment fire. Owners of affected vehicles will be notified by mail. Their vehicles fixed free of charge. Daria Albinger, ABC News. Now, the good news is if that fire happens, your car a lot less likely to be stolen. Yes. <laughs> That's a very good point. It's either one or the other. <laughs> um, and probably not going to have uh, both. At least that's what it would seem. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Cloudy skies, little drizzle and light rain this morning will clear out later this afternoon. It'll be breezy with temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. Tonight, partly cloudy and pleasant overnight lows in the low 60s. Tomorrow, mostly sunny skies with highs near 80. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Our guest right now, Dr. Joshua Lynch, who is Associate Professor of Emergency and Addiction Medicine at the University of Buffalo. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. These findings yesterday, I think, uh, probably caught a lot of people off guard because we had you know, heard of an uptick in 2020 and 2021. But I think a lot of people assumed that we were over that and on the way down, Josh. Yeah, good morning. Thanks for having me. Um, the Information shared yesterday is certainly uh, certainly disappointing. Um, you know, we had done very well uh, between 2017 and 2019, and had saw had seen an uptick in overdose deaths. Um, at, you know, as COVID progressed, <clears throat> and there, you know there were a lot of reasons why why that happened. Um, I think that as you know, as people kind of saw COVID start to lessen, uh, we Many expected opiate overdose deaths to kind of follow suit. Uh, unfortunately, the opiate epidemic continues to evolve, and, and that's really what we talked about yesterday. Can you talk about the demographics, what you're seeing in terms of users? So the the age range is one of the many pieces of this that that is kind of evolving. Uh, we're still seeing, un, you know, unfortunate deaths in, in many age ranges. However, the, uh, the percentage of people um, that have unfortunately died in their 40s, 50s, and even 60s is starting to increase um, from in the past. We had seen uh, the majority of those cases typically in their 20s and 30s. The, 30, the, the age range of 30 to 39 still remains the, still remains the largest. Um, but as I mentioned, we're we're seeing between forty and six, between really forty and sixty plus, um, we're seeing a, a rise in that in that group. Is there a reason why have we been able to figure that out, or is it too early to tell? So we're still working on really trying to kind of better better understand the age, um, the the age demographic. One of the major points that we discussed yesterday on how the epidemic has changed is the involvement of um, fentanyl contaminated cocaine. And um, we, we, we are seeing, at least in Erie County, and this trend really follows suit uh, in many places, the, uh, the percentage of patients that have unfortunately died while using cocaine contaminated with fentanyl and they've died from an opiate overdose. Uh, what we also talked about yesterday was that it appears that many of those patients uh, may have never even known they were being exposed to fentanyl and their cocaine. How are public health leaders changing their response now to this? Yeah, th this this really um, 
this information and what we've seen, you know, over the last year or so um, is, is really kind of pushing many of us to, to really take a step back, look at what we've been doing over the past few years. Obviously, there were strategies in 2017, 18, 19 that appeared to be working. Um, the, the epidemic has changed now. So kind of taking into account things that, things that work then um, and learning how, what, you know, what's still relevant today versus what we need to do differently. Uh, and, and particularly looking at the fentanyl contaminated uh, stimulants like cocaine and even methamphetamine, cocaine is just a, a very high percentage of, of uh, involvement in opioid overdose, uh, in overdose deaths. Um, at this point, we so looking at um, looking at the the people that are that are using cocaine uh, and other stimulants that may not be aware of fentanyl. So um, one one main strategy is the use of drug testing strips or fentanyl fentanyl testing strips, which uh, allows people to take a small amount um, of of drug and test it to see if there is fentanyl in it. So. They would they would take to cocaine, see if there's fentanyl in it, and obviously the recommendation, if there is, is to not use it, um, or at least use with someone, not, never use alone. Um, have Narcan available, and certainly be ready to call nine one one. It seems like seven to ten years ago, a lot of the focus here, when talking about the Erie County Opioid Task Force or just fighting, you know, overdoses in general, was on uh, prescription painkillers and you know overuse, overprescription of that, and how that could lead to an opioid addiction. I has that been kind of I don't want to say solved, but is that really a point of concern anymore with everything we're talking about today? Well, I, cer- I, I certainly wouldn't say it. I, I agree with you. It's c- certainly not solved. However, things are different. So um, we we put a lot of effort into trying um, into trying to educate the public, uh, educate doctors and patients about the the addictive potential of even a five day course of opioid pain medication or a prescription. Now, wh- while I think we've done it. Uh, a pretty good job at reducing the amount of opioid prescriptions that we're giving and, and maximizing non-opioid medications for pain control, uh, which are actually very effective. Um, there, that it still it still remains a problem. Uh, however, I think what we're seeing now is the the larger percentage, um, at least you know over this year, uh, at least if not longer, um, is, is the involvement of fentanyl and the fact that it's such a potent medication. Um, used in the hospital safely, however, used on the streets, it's extremely dangerous. Uh, and especially now that that's contaminating the, the stimulant supply, is certainly what we're seeing. The trend that we're seeing continue to grow in Erie County and other, in many other places in the country. Josh, I'm wondering what effect has Narcan had on this? I mean, these numbers are alarming. Yet there's a lot more Narcan around today and available than there was years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Narcan or naloxone, there's a few versions now, um, is certainly a life-saving drug. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine where we would be right now if the, if the naloxone or Narcan supply wasn't, wasn't what it is. It has saved countless amount of lives. Um, it's often underreported since patients can, people can be given Narcan at home after or you know, during an overdose. Uh, and oftentimes, 911 is never called. 
which it's important to know that 911 should still be called uh, after after giving Narcan. There's good Samaritan laws in New York State that protect the caller um, and the patient uh, to a certain extent. Um, but Narcan certainly saves lives. It should be continued. It should continue to be used, um, and, and the numbers would be exponentially worse um, if if we hadn't kind of saturated uh, the area with. Uh, easy to access Narcan. You just may mention that without Narcan, which is now more readily available than I would say it has been in the last decade, that this could be much worse. We're talking about record numbers even with this wide-scale availability of Narcan. How scary is that? And I does Narcan play a role in here? Are people maybe more apt to use certain drugs because they know that this lifesaver exists. Uh, you know, the the that, that theory has been around for a long time. And when I start, first started doing Narcan trainings for first responders and 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 even the public eight years ago, eight eight or nine years ago, that was often a question. And I work in the emergency department and have the opportunity to talk with individuals that use drugs on a very regular basis. And I can I can confidently say that's not the case. Um, we had you know, there were thoughts that is Nar, will Narcan become a safety net and encourage people to use? That's not what we've seen. Um, we obviously encourage people to seek treatment. Um, there are plenty of options available for for treatment, um, but if they're going to use, never use alone. Have Narcan available and be ready to call nine one one. In terms of treatment, are the resources available? So there certainly are, and what we've what we've seen over the la- over the years while we have been working to try to fight this epidemic is that oftentimes people have trouble finding treatment. So while there are appointments that are left open, which seems unbelievable when we're talking about overdose death rates uh, like this, there. There are treatment uh, treatment options available, you know, both inpatient and outpatient, um, and and plenty in Western New York. And one of the one of the easiest way to access those resources is through a program called the Matters Network. And there's a website, MattersNetwork.org, and a free app uh, by searching Matters Network. And the way that works is um, you can be you can be referred into treatment while you're at um, an emergency department while you're leaving the hospital. But fortunately, in Western New York, we also have a 24-hour um, emergency telemedicine assessment hotline, which is which includes the eight counties of Western New York, and um, that can be accessed through the app or by calling 765-MATTERS. That will allow you to have a 24-hour, 24-7 emergency telemedicine evaluation, which could potentially lead to a prescription uh, of buprenorphine or Suboxone. And you have your choice of treatment organization that you want to follow up at. And typically, most people get their first choice of treatment organization appointment within the next 24 to 48 hours. There are plenty of treatment organizations that have stepped up that are willing to see patients that don't have insurance, that are willing to see patients that use multiple different drugs or may have a co-occurring mental health disorder. Um, but but find, you know, seeking treatment, <clears throat> seeking treatment, um, it, it, there are there are op- there certainly are options out there.
Well, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate it. Dr. Josh Lynch joining us talking about the opioid crisis. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.